0: Approach, new tools, new mindset, new solo.
1: Welcome to another episode of New Solo on the Legal Talk Network. My name is Adriana Linares. I am your hostess, and I'm pretty excited to start today's recording with a question, a pop quiz from my guest, Annie rodriguez Newburn. Annie, this is going to be A, B, or C, or D. Sangiovese is a star grape variety and wines from A, Herman, Missouri, B, Madrid, Spain, C, Tuscany, Italy, or D, Alsace, France.
2: Oh, I'm so glad you asked me about this because this might have been, I learned this on probably my most favorite vacations. Ever, uh, my husband and I decided on a whim that we were going to go to Tuscany, Italy, and we learned all about it there. Um, so we learned about this grape, and now I don't know if I'm allowed to say I'm addicted, but it's definitely mm. a go-to in the store. So yes, I will go with. I think it was letter C. Ding, 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 ding. The correct answer is
1: Tuscany, Italy. Sangiovese is the main grape in Tuscan red wines, such as Chianti and Vino Nobile de. Montepulciano. It often makes a good food wine due to its bright
2: acidity. Oh, it's so good.
1: Thank you for indulging me in my wine studies. I am taking a wine course here in New Orleans, and it's just been kind of fun to learn about all the different wines. So thank you, Annie, and I'm glad you got that question right. I, I loved you an easy one. I figured... You're a wine connoisseur. Well, now I should take a minute and let you introduce yourself. Please tell everybody a little bit about yourself because you're not just a wine connoisseur, you're a lawyer.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, Joanna, and thank you for having me. Um, I am an attorney with Tangle Rodriguez and Associates. Tangle Rodriguez is is actually my mom. Um, Anna Tangle Rodriguez has had this firm for 30-plus years now, and I'm honored to get to work with her. I've worked with her for 10 years, and we're a part of a really small practice. We've got four attorneys doing child support enforcement on behalf of the state of Florida, exclusively in Orange County. So we, we get to operate like a small firm, and that's awesome. So, so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. The non-lawyer stuff, you already heard that I'm married, but we have two rescue dogs. Uh, named Chewie and solo <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and And yeah, I'm born and raised in Orlando. And
1: your mother, obviously an attorney, was your dad an attorney?
2: So my parents met at UCF. Uh, my mom was born in Argentina in Buenos Aires, and my dad was born in Cuba. They met at UCF. My dad went off to law school at Florida State, and my mom said, "Hey, if she if he can do it, I can do it too." And they both went there. My uh, so my mom clearly a practicing attorney, and my dad is is a retired judge. He was the first Hispanic judge on the Orange County bench in 1986. 1993, he was appointed to the circuit bench. In 2018, he retired. And uh, that was the same year that I was president of the Hispanic Bar Association of Central oh. Florida. Yeah, so it was really cool. I got to to be the one to uh, do all of the roasting, I mean, ceremonial <laughs> retirement stuff for him. It was not planned that way, but it was certainly a lot of fun. So yeah, I guess it's all in the family when my little brother decided he was gonna go to law school too. Wow.
1: Yeah, a family of lawyers. That's amazing. Um, I'm going to come back and ask you about your bar work in a second. Before I do that, I have two questions for you. ¿Hablas español como una Argentina o como una Cubana?
2: Ooh, eso depende. So for our non-Spanish speakers, Mm. the Argentines (laughs) speak Spanish almost like Italians and the Cubans— Like Uruguayos. Oh, perdón. (laughs) (laughs) Cubans, I like to say—I like to say Cubans speak Spanish like— you know, like they have a potato in their mouth. It's like, oh, yeah. so, um, so, so my family likes to say that I sound confused half the time. So
1: <laughs>
2: just depends on well, the day. Well, that's I funny because
1: my Spanish problem, that's what people should say about me. So my family's from Uruguay. And for our listeners, Uruguay and Argentina have a love hate thing, mostly love hate only on the soccer fields. So, okay, sorry, enough about the cultural crisscross, but I love it. Let's go back to you. So your brother practiced with you as well. Your dad is retired, was a a judge. And I wanted to ask you just real quick, because I do always like to mention this, especially when we have newer and younger attorneys, the importance of your bar involvement. Um, You mentioned the Hispanic bar and when we were in the green room, as I like to call it, you talked about being involved with the Orange County Bar Association, which is the bigger, the big bar in Orange County, Florida. And how has that helped you or been important to you? Because that's also where I met you just a couple of months at the Voluntary Bar Leaders Conference. You were there on behalf of the OCBA.
2: Yeah. So actually, my, I, because of all of my involvement, the the Florida Bar Now, I was appointed to serve on the committee that puts together the conference. It's It's been a just a love. I, I love service. It's something that my parents have instilled in both of us um, kids. And I find that for me, it's a way to learn new skills in a safe environment. So I don't (coughs) have cases or, you know money at stake or business at stake and I'm able to flush out these ideas with like-minded or, or not even not people that necessarily agree on topics together but that want to do better for our community or want to be better at what we do so whether that's being a litigator or being someone who is doing the research and the writing and the background um, it's it's exposed me to those people and then I'm actually better at moving my cases to Ooh. fruition. So for me, the most important part about bar service are or, or two things, really. One is service to the community to make the community better, but also to sharpen my skills and to make my understanding of those of us in, you know, what people call the system, you know, how we can best work together. Because I find that if I've been serving on a committee with you and we're working to do something good with a common goal, the next time you're across from me and you're my opposing counsel, or you're the judge in a case, you're gonna not just trust me a little bit more, but you're gonna know how my brain works. I'm gonna know how your brain works. And suddenly we have what could have been an hour-long trial resolved in 15 minutes and everybody wins. Maybe I don't actually win my case, But at least the the resolution for the parties is better. So so I give back to make myself better and to make the community better. And
1: what's interesting and so believable about what you're saying is you have an interesting area of practice where you're not out there networking to try and get new clients or get referrals. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But I think that's really interesting because a lot of people will say everything that you've said, which is certainly true and, and the main reason to volunteer and be of service, but they'll also often say, plus it's a great way to network, meet other attorneys and get referrals and also find people that I can refer out. And yours is strictly just because you're a do-gooder, Annie. (laughs) But it's a lot about that that practice too. Well, all the ancillary things that you mentioned, like just getting to know each other and being able to have a smarter relationship if you are on opposing sides of a case— is really poignant as well. So I like that a lot. And public speaking in general.
2: There are very few people that come out, you know, out the womb, just ready to do it, to speak in public. So so just getting in front of a room of 10 people on a board mm-hmm. and presenting an, an idea mm-hmm. and practicing that skill of get, getting in, you know, stakeholders and getting people on your side and taking criticism. You know, those are things that are hard. Sure that we get to experience and really process when we're on different boards and different committees. So so I would say that too. The mentorship is just amazing. Being able to network with older attorneys and younger attorneys and and get new ideas that we can innovate in our office or make our practices better. Mm. You know, those are things that you get for free when you serve the bar, when you work in those (laughs) those committees. Uh, It's my favorite F word, free. (laughs) <laughs> so that's, that's why I do it. That's definitely why I do it.
1: That's very good. Tell me a little bit about the dynamics in the office working with your mom and your brother. And how do you all manage? And then when you go out to dinner, is it all you talk about? Or at that point, are are you like, oh, enough about work? You know, how how are the dogs? Where are we going on vacation next?
2: (laughs) Well, so um, my mom and I have been working together for the last almost 10 years. And my brother came on board a year ago. My brother worked at the public defender's office and then at a couple other law firms in town before deciding to come over and work with us. And so I think, Working with just one family member and then adding from there cut a lot of the potential drama. My dad and I are a lot alike, and no one listening to this is allowed to tell him that. Um, (laughs) But we are, and my parents have had 40-plus years of being married, so I've been able to watch the two of them duke it out and having that legal expertise— And knowing ourselves enough to be able to sit down and have those tough conversations and say, look, uh, I know how a good uh, disagreement looks like between my parents. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm going to step into that role and we're going to duke it out. And we're not going to leave without some sort of agreement, even if it's an agreement to think about it and come back in a week. If we think about it and come back in a week, we're totally fine. And I'm not going to say that or paint a rosy picture because it really was a lot of hard work to get to a place where we could we could really actively work together. Um, then my brother came on, and I will I will shout it from the mountaintops that my brother and my mother are almost the same person. They will oh my god they will totally disagree with me, but I promise you. And so um, that that is exactly how we work. And so uh, knowing that again, knowing ourselves, and knowing how to be better. Arguers has allowed us to to really navigate some sensitive business moves. Um, we also have our own cases, so we come together and say, "Hey, how do we how do we do this?" or "How would you do that?" and and take it take it that extra step of, of brainstorming together. As far as outside of work is concerned it spills over no matter what we do. My poor husband is not a lawyer, but he knows all the players. And so when we talk <laughs> about things, but he's kind of in on it, but we, we try to stay away from it as much as possible. We have those stories, like every other attorney out there, you know, has those stories about those crazy clients. So a lot of times those are the stories that we tell and it's you know you can't believe this is what ha- this is what happened today i have this person <laughs> who showed up from the bathroom on virtual court like <laughs> so we 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 share a lot of those and definitely last but not least especially with my dad being a retired judge a lot of t- conversations since my brother went to law school at the dinner table the thanksgiving table if someone gets out of line there's always an objection that's placed oh, on the record always certainly. Always objection, non-responsive to the question. Objection, That's <laughs> not in evidence. <laughs> so, so we do have some some creative fun, and uh, and those non-lawyers in the family are good sports and really enjoy, uh, I guess, the legal shows out there. So they they have fun with it too.
1: Right. It's like living in one, basically. Well, that sounds great. Before we move on to our next segment, and I come back and ask you about that unique and interesting practice of law that y'all have, we're going to take a quick break and listen to some messages from some sponsors.
0: Ever wonder how other law firms spend their money? According to 67% of lawyers, legal practice management software is a key investment. I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio, and this is just one finding from our recent Legal Trends report. If you rely on pen and paper or server-based systems to manage your practice, you may be missing out on billables. Instead of printing and mailing your bills, the right legal software lets you create, edit, and approve bills in minutes. Plus, you can send them electronically and collect payment on the same day. This is just one of the ways in which legal practice management software can simplify your day-to-day. To learn more about what technologies other law firms are investing in, download Clio's Legal Trends Report, for free at Clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C L I O dot com forward slash trends.
1: All right, we're back. I'm here with Annie Rodriguez Newburn. I'm going to ask her about her very cool practice. After I ask her the following question, Annie, true or false? Pinot Gris is commonly grown in Italy.
2: Hmm, this is a tough one.
1: I'll give you a, a hint. It is also known as Pinot Grigio.
2: I, I'm going I'm to go with true. Well, it's the same grape. I know this from
1: my studies. Grigio is how they say it in Italy. Gris is how they say it in France. So this grape variety ranges in style from light and crisp to rich and spicy. Its richer version can be an excellent match for Thai cuisine. If anybody's having Thai tonight, I suggest a Pinot Gris or a Pinot Grigio with your meal. Annie, your mom, you told me this earlier, so we're going to give credit where the credit is due, Had your law firm first. You joined her later. And she had somehow, and this is what I really want you to talk to us about and inspire lawyers out there, that there are contracts available. Is it a contract? Is that what you would call it? It is. Yes. With the state of Florida? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell us. Tell
2: us how this works. So my mom has not paid me to say this. I promise. I get nothing in return for saying how awesome she is. But um, so she she left the state attorney's office to start her own law firm with, a, with another friend in in the 80s, back before daycare, all that stuff. So she navigated some some crazy issues for another podcast for another time, I'm sure but she she and another attorney in town put in a bid for this contract and it renews every 5 to 6 years so the state has an opportunity to go with with another law firm but our firm has had it for over the past I'd say 30 years now and
1: wow
2: there are so many other other contracts out there so many other contracts out there for for business we are we're considered a legal service provider for the state of Florida. We receive referrals, uh, different cases that we uh, will litigate, we'll file motions, petitions, whatever needs to be done to to support the child support enforcement program. So there, there are four types of cases that we that we handle. If someone is on Medicaid, food stamps, cash assistance, or if someone asks for legal services, the state will send us those cases pursuant to our contract, and then we will establish child support, modify child support, or enforce child support. So there are our three big buckets, but there's a million different ways that we do all of those things. It's a lot of work, a lot of cases, um, that we manage, and in, in a pretty tight ship. We're pretty efficient here with about six to 10 people in our office at any one given time. But that contract is, is huge. It's our entire business right now because yeah. we have so many cases.
1: Two thoughts. First, 30 years, and it has to renew every five or six. Congratulations, y'all must be doing a really good job. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and my second thought is, Congratulations, that's amazing, but also how sad that you're so busy with this type of work. Come on, humans, be better.
2: Right, right. God. Well, and so we just have the contract for Orange County. Most of the counties in the state of Florida have this type of relationship with another legal service provider. It can be a law firm like ours, it could be the clerk of the court, it could be the state attorney's office, whoever has that that contract, and it's not just this child support enforcement program. There are a lot of other opportunities sure. out there to have contracts like this to do the work of the state. It's hard because we are not we're not state attorneys in Orange County. The parties can confuse that. So if you have, you know, the payor, the person ordered to pay that doesn't have the children, they think we're always against them. And the payee, the person receiving the child support, always thinks that we're their attorney. So they'll call our office asking for advice and we have to turn them away. We're Mm. legally obligated to say, you've got to go talk to the state of Florida. They're our client. And they don't really understand that, that concept. So the bulk of our work actually is telling people, I'm so sorry, we can't help you. We can't, but we can't.
1: Right. No, that's really interesting. I don't know if you have the answer for this, but just thinking about other listeners who are probably saying, how do you do that? How do you find and get these contracts? Do you know, do you go visit the contract website that I know every state has because I actually get them. I get them for Florida and I oddly get them for West Virginia because I had to register there once. So I know there are emails that go out regularly once you sign up, but do you have any guidance you could give to someone who might be interested? And where do you go look for state or county or federal contracts that you might be able to apply for as a law firm?
2: So most of the websites for the state, the counties um, and cities, sometimes we forget that cities have contracts. The the city of Orlando has a website that shows all of their contracts that are available. So does the state of Florida. Um, That's where I would start. I also think Google Mm -hmm. is your friend. Google will come up with all kinds of stuff and then you'll want to keep checking back. Then going back to what we were talking about, bar service, people talk. And when you're sitting at the table volunteering for something else, somebody really enjoys working with you, they're going to say, "Hey." Have you thought about applying or, or bidding for this contract? So, so that's another thing that I would recommend is, you know, get involved in your community. Put your ear to the grindstone and your hands to that keyboard or your phone to, to Google it, to check those websites because they, they're posting them. They're posting mm-hmm. opportunities all the time, all the time. I get them all the
1: time. Not necessarily, obviously, I'm looking for a government agency that Mike's Microsoft office training, right? So I even look for that type of work. And I will also say that I have gotten a contract or two like that. And the bonus was I'm a female-owned business and I'm Hispanic. So if you're out there and you have a couple of extra boxes you can check, you know, there's no harm in searching, seeking, checking boxes and just seeing what comes across the table. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. All right, let's take another quick break. Listen to some messages from some sponsors and we'll be right back. It's a common story. You started your practice with a budget website. There were a million things swirling and you needed something. Nine, 12, 18 months later, your practice is generating revenue and you have your legs under you. It may be time to revisit that website. Talk to Practice Made Perfect. Your website can become a profitable tool for attracting clients. Practice Made Perfect loves making websites for solos, just starting out or market leaders. Practice Made Perfect. Visit pmpmg.com forward slash solo. Starting your solo practice is exciting, rewarding, and demanding. Alps Insurance understands the unique challenges of startup solo firms. Sixty five percent of Alps legal malpractice insurance policyholders are solos, after all. That's why Alps created First Flight, a program supporting new solos by providing affordable premium pricing for the first three years of practice. Visit alpsinsurance.com forward slash insurance forward slash First Flight to learn more. Or just Google Alps First Flight. You'll find them. First Flight program subject to eligibility requirements. Law Cleric's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile devices to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code NEWSOLO when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. All right, everyone, we are back. I'm Adriana Linares and I'm here with Annie rodriguez Newburn probably one of my new best friends. She and I hit it off instantly when we met at the volunteer voluntary bar leaders conference and after this conversation I think we're going to be even better friends. I have one more question for you though, Annie, and I'm sorry that we're like launching our relationship with me quizzing you. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Okay. This is true or false. A white wine can be made from red grapes.
2: Hmm. I'm going to go I, I'm going to go wild. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to guess yes. Yes,
1: good. It's true. White wines are often made from red grapes. How? The red color comes from the skins. So when winemakers produce a white wine from red grapes, they remove the skins quickly after crushing so none of the tint gets into the white. I'm telling you guys... This little new hobby of mine has been really interesting. My brain is stimulated. So thanks for coming on this little wine journey with me, Annie.
2: (laughs) You're inspiring me to take the class as well. I love science. Yeah. And when science also involves wine, I'm here for it.
1: (laughs) And you know what's funny? Uh, Most people probably don't know this, but I was a geography major. So I love maps and learning about the land and weather and all sorts of stuff. So this has also been a really cool way to learn about countries and regions and culture and languages. And it's it's been really fun and stimulating for me, so... So, if anyone has some great wine tips out there, y'all know how to get a hold of me. You can send me an email on new. Uh, it's newsolo at legaltalknetwork.com. And of course, you can always find me on all the social media platforms. Annie, back to you. I wanted to ask you about your firm infrastructure because I love to talk about practice management and technology a lot. With as busy as your firm must be, y'all cannot be running Fred Flintstone's law firm over there. There's got to be some level of the Jetsons going on. A little bit. Let me
2: take you on a journey. (laughs) Let's do it. Remember back in 2016. You remember what you were doing back in 2016? Remember the the smartphone that you had in 2016? And imagine a law firm that still was using label, like the the Selectic typewriters. They're still out there, don't worry. <laughs> They're here. They're here in this law firm because that's where we were. And I, I went to uh, my mom boss, boss lady, and I said, we can't keep doing this. There's an int- the majority of the real estate of our office are just paper files. We can't find things. We're spending so much time just looking for, for paper. We can do better. And so um, that started our, our transition into electronic an electronic case management or filing system. The difference with our practice is that we don't we don't track billable hours. We're we're flat fee and we have one client. So we don't keep track of anything per case because we just represent the state of Florida. So a lot of the case management systems out there didn't quite work for us, but that doesn't mean that we're not still looking. And, and the big thing that I will share is that the infrastructure of our, our law firm really hinges on the people, And our office manager is 84 years old. He's been with the law firm what feels like a million years. (laughs) (laughs) Our newest hire here is a current student at UCF. So we really have all of the generations represented. And so we realized we were only gonna be as good as the people we have managing that system. So instead of going out there and going to any of the, the case management softwares, we said, you know what, we know how to do the computer. We know how to do Microsoft products. So let's work on a Dropbox together and let's create what we can create so that it makes it an easy transition. So the first thing, you're going to laugh. We created a folder <laughs> called the File Room. <laughs> we put all of these folders that that look like our files and paper and we named them by case. And it was easy for our wisdom warriors, our attorneys that have been practicing for so long that really didn't want to make the transition, to say where where would I normally look for this? Oh, I would walk over to the file room, and so now in their brain they could still take that logical step, but just know all right, it's going to be on my it's going to be on my computer. So we we started off with with uh, just a Dropbox and just making sure that we can. We could function because it's just so—it's just so much data. Fast forward to about four years ago, we were playfully challenged by not the current chief judge, but the chief judge at the time, to automate. And we said, "You know what? Ooh. I bet you we could do the same—the same stuff because we have a limited number of things that we actually do. Just a lot of it um, that we could automate. We could take one one more step." but at that time we tried just a mail merge and it didn't work for us. What? I know, it's crazy. And we did it right, I promise. I have a love, <laughs> I love Microsoft Excel. I love Word, I, I love these things. So it wasn't that we didn't want to use it. It just didn't make things better. It made things harder mm. or more time consuming because uh, back to the, you know, the skill set of the people at the time and i will credit my baby brother for coming on a year ago and saying, "Well, hey, have you guys have we thought about doing a mail merge?" And i said to him, "You know what? I'm really bad at or i'm really good at being wrong. And let's try it again. It's been 4 years. We we like to to innovate and you know what? Maybe things have changed. And now we're rocking that mail merge. Yeah, when we lost two employees due to due to COVID and and quarantine times mm-hmm. and all the drama that came there, we were not so stressed when we weren't able to to bring on new people at the time. So, I'll credit him with that and and that's one of the things that we do here. We really pride ourselves on being really good at being wrong and happy when that happens. <laughs> And and yeah. that makes us say, okay, what what can we do better? So right now we're we're trying a project management software because we've gone to Clio, we've gone to some of the other case management systems. Um, and if they're listening, let me know because we're again we're I'm open to being wrong, um, but because we don't have the same structure as other law firms, a lot of the very sp- specific um, tools that they offer we just don't use or we don't need. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot, uh, a lot to share all at once with our intergenerational workplace here and how we started with our little baby building blocks of Dropbox.
1: (laughs) I mean, and that's where you have to start. And two, I think, you know, I'm not a proponent of technology for technology's sake, right? I mean, I'm a proponent of implementing technology in a law firm where it makes sense and it'll make things better. And there are some great and new document assembly tools. So MailBurge to me is pretty sort of one-to-one. This field fits into that slot. This data fits into that slot. And then of course, um, when you're ready, Annie, it's crazy. Document assembly
2: has like, if this, then that. I'm so excited for that. What we had to do, and, and maybe this is another another share. What we had to do is we had to change to be able to do this we had to change our office practice before we would have. Um, and and you know that I have dogs, so I'm going to put it in a dog analogy. The culture was if you if you did something wrong, like a dog, you you know taking them over to what they did and saying <laughs> don't do that anymore. And we've changed our our office culture from that to coming together as a group and saying, hey, these are our pain points, these are our issues, how do we fix it? So instead of thinking top down saying, okay, the, the leader, the top person is the one that's gonna have all the ideas, We've we've made it more of a, a team atmosphere, and that sounds corny, and like Michael Scott is going to walk around the corner. But I <gasps> promise you, I promise you, that's not it. We just sit around in the you know Monday morning and say, "Hey, what are our opportunities for this week, and how can we fix it?" So we get the ideas from the people that are actually doing the work. So when when they're thinking about the big picture, they're open to change, and I they're coming to you saying, "Hey." Can we do if-then document assembly? Can we automate this so that when I change the status in our project management sheet that it automatically goes somewhere else? The past, I'd say, 30 to 60 days have been really exciting because we see firm wide we've moved towards that. So it, I don't know. We might be calling you for some extra help, Adriana.
1: Well, you'll have to come back in about a year and let us know what kind of progress you all have made. You got for it.
2: Sure. <laughs> I'd be honored.
1: Uh- Annie, it's been really fun chatting with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to me and to, and our listeners. Are, I know they're going to enjoy this conversation. Tell everyone how they can find, friend, or follow you out there on the internet.
2: Well, thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And I've learned a lot about wine. Um, and I, I look forward to to listening to more of your questions for other people. <laughs>
1: mm, I don't know if this will be a recurring theme, but... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I may have moved
2: on to my next hobby by the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here. I'm here for that too. But, uh, but so, so my law firm, because of the type of work that we do, we don't have a website. But I'm on social media, and I'm, I'm always at the next bar association event for all of the Orange County, Orlando, Central Florida stuff. Um, you can find me on the bar's website by looking up my name. Uh, my legal name is Anna. That's another fun fact for another interview. But I'm also on Facebook, Instagram. Apparently, I'm supposed to get on TikTok. So they say so. The best part about it is that my name is my name, so if you look it up, there aren't very many other Annies out there, at least with my long last name. So, um, come find me on LinkedIn. I will. I, I am always open to to sharing about me and about what I what I'm up to. Um, one last question: When you're in the office,
1: do you call your mom "mom" or do you call her Anna?
2: Depends. We we go with Anna for for the staff and for everybody, but um, she she sometimes if. If uh, if I want to accentuate a point, she'll get mom boss boss lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's some of that. It just depends on on the on the vibe of the day. But mostly first name for business.
1: All right, everyone, we've reached the end of another great episode of New Solo. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, by the way, if you have any questions that you'd like me to answer, whether they're about technology or practice management or thinking about going out on your own. Feel free, please send me an email at newsolo at legaltalknetwork.com, and I'll start answering some of those questions on our podcasts. Until the next episode of New Solo, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you then.
0: I've been running from nine to five, been biting my tongue for all this time, won't let anyone clock me short.
2: Comp Matters is a podcast dedicated to exploring the laws, the landmark cases, and the true stories that define our workers' compensation system. I'm Judd Pierce, and together with Alan Pierce, we host a different guest each month as we bring to life this diverse area of the law. Join us on Workers' Comp Matters on the Legal Talk Network.